You're listening to the Redemption City Church podcast. To learn more about Redemption City Church, visit us online at rccbaltimore.org. Good morning, church. Sherry, you, you read so well, I was hoping you would read my sermon along, so I wouldn't have to come here. I have no idea why I made Josh put me to going first. So my name is Michael, and I'm one of the elders in training. And um, the title of my sermon is Finding Meaning in Suffering. Finding Meaning in Suffering. At this point of Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 to 20, Joseph's brothers are lying prostrate before him, hoping that he would not give them retribution for what they've done against him. One of the greatest human desires is a thirst and hunger for vengeance. Some of us love to hide behind the word karma. But when we peel away all the feathers of karma, what is really behind karma, when we pronounce it upon others, is our desire that those who have hurt us will get a payback for what they have done. That is what it's all about. So, this guy, Joseph, has a moment, a rare moment, I say, because this is a secret desire of most of us. I don't know about you, but sometimes my secret has desire that those who have hurt me will face some trouble of their own to know how it felt like when they hurt me. That those who have hindered my progress in some way will come to a point where they would face some difficulty in their lives, a payback for what they have done for me. So this guy has this opportunity. And if you do not know why or how we got to the point where his brothers are kneeling and lying prostrate before him, let me step back a bit and you understand. In one way, you may think Joseph missed an opportunity to exert cold revenge. Or some sense he was up to something when he gave the answer that he gave to his brothers. So Genesis chapters 1 to 11 talks about God's relationship with man. In chapter 3, we get to learn that the man and the woman disobeyed God, and by so doing, God drove them out of the Garden of Eden. Before he did that, God gave us a glimpse of his redemptive plan for the man and the woman and the people who come after them. He pronounced that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And from chapters 12 to chapter 50, where we are today right now, is about a man called Abraham and his family. The family that God has selected to reveal his redemptive plan to the rest of humanity. The camera focuses in a bit and zooms in on Jacob and his family. And how God saves humanity from famine and hunger through one of Abraham's descendants called Joseph. As addressed with Hazel for how he himself was going to redeem humanity through his own son, Jesus Christ. So this Joseph guy I'm talking about, he was um, an annoying, snitching teacher's pet. So his father had many livestock. His older brothers would go and take care of the livestock, and he would be at home. And the annoying thing is that he would not do part of the work, but when he had a chance, he would snitch on his brothers on how they were doing badly with their family's business. 
And he was his father's favorite, and his father made no secret of his preferential love for this guy. And you remember the, f- the, the famous story of the coat of many colors, how his father showed his love for him by giving him a coat of many colors. And the brothers could deal with a snitching teacher's pet. But one day, this guy also had a dream. And in the dream, all his family was bound down to him as um, servants would do before a great prince. We could deal with this guy who is like annoying, but for us to become servants of this annoying guy to rule over us, that really wrapped the brothers differently because after that, against the equally compelling urge to kill him and end it all, they decided to sell him into slavery as mercy for his life. And so they saved him, they, they sell, sold him into slavery. He went through difficulties in slavery. He was in prison, accused falsely for attempted rape. A lot of things just went downhill after his brothers sold him into slavery. So the brothers are somehow the supposed protagonists of his whole demise. So at this point in 19 to 20, this guy is standing as a great prince. The tables have turned. When the brothers bundled him up for sale, they wielded the power to do him harm or evil. And they chose death. But now the tables have turned. He stands wielding the power to do harm or evil. His answer is quite interesting. Let's read it again. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That is not the kind of answer I would have given them. Maybe I would have looked through the memory of my coldest revenge on the coldest day, served it to them very cold, and let them feel how it felt like when I was crying and begging for my life. Secretly, some of us maybe wish the same thing for our bosses. We wish the same thing for some person in our gospel community. We wish the same thing for some parent or sibling who hurt us in a, in a difficult way. But Joseph's perspective gives us a different light. It sheds a different light on what happens or what the purpose of some of the things we go through in life is all about. And two things from his response that we'll deal with today is number one, you are not the main character in your life story. Two, God can use the difficulties in your life to accomplish his purposes. Before we delve into that, let's share a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today to hear you speak to us through your word. Oh, what a wonderful opportunity. Some of us, our perspective and our minds have gone the way of revenge and vengeance, missing the big picture of what you want to do in our lives, in our struggles, and in our sufferings. But today we are hearing the perspective of a man who went through it and was transformed, and the lessons that he learned in his life, we are about to learn today. Open our hearts and our minds. Let the bitterness and the rage that comes from anger and the thirst for vengeance not be a hindrance to your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so to my first point, God is the main character in your life story. So right from the beginning of time, the story of life has been the story of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 tells us, in the beginning God. 
It was God who made the heavens and the earth and invited men and women to be a part of his world. In the same way, the redemptive life we live is God's redemptive plan through his son, Jesus. He has called us along to be a part of his redemptive plan. Our part is to bring our sinful nature. His is to invite us out of the kingdom of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of the son he loves, the kingdom of light. He pulls us out through the shed blood of his son, Jesus. He invites us into his family, puts his name on us, and ushers us into a life that glorifies him. The life we live now is not about us. It's about the glory of God. Isaiah 43, verse 7 says that, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Brothers and sisters, the earlier we recognize whose story we are living, the more peaceful and the less agitated our lives will become. We are not the center of the universe. We have never been and we will never be. The center of it all, who holds all things together, is God himself. Brothers and sisters, we are living on borrowed time. That's how come Hebrews 9.27 says that it is appointed unto man to, to live once and after death judgment. We are living on borrowed time and we shall give account for everything that we do. It is God who is the main character. Joseph says in verse, the first part of 19, am I in the place of God? By that statement, Joseph is acknowledging that there is a bigger player with a bigger plan. He recognized that judgment was God's, vengeance his alone to serve, as Deuteronomy 32 verse 35 tells us. When we understand that we are not the main characters in our lives, there are two things that can happen to us. It refocuses our minds on the big picture. And secondly, it, it sets us free to seek out God's glory. So let's go to the first one. Refocuses our minds on the big picture. It helps us shift our, our minds from ourselves and focus on God and what he is doing. We can look to the big picture and the main character in the picture. And we can notice that he is merciful and full of grace and forgiving, and we follow his lead. You see, Joseph took his focus off himself and all that he had gone through at the hands of his, brother, of his brothers, at the hands of Potiphar and Mrs. Potiphar, he looked away from the, the, the thirst and the desire and, and, and the hunger for, 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 for the expressions that come like, I told you so. I told you I was going to be the ruler. He looked away from that and looked at what God had done in his life and what God did through him. In the same way, Jesus on the cross of Calvary did not look at those who abused him. He looked away from all that. But when he looked upon them, he looked at what God was doing in the bigger plan of redemption. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. There's an African proverb that goes like, the hunter in pursuit of an elephant does not stop to pelt stones at birds. What this proverb is telling us is that we must not allow ourselves to be distracted by the, big, to be distracted by the little things, but must keep our focus on the big things that God is doing in our lives. You know, suffering has a way of refocusing everything we have and putting it on that situation, hoping and wishing that we'll get out of it as soon as possible, we begin to think, what is the fastest way to get out of this? It makes you miss exactly what God is doing in the big picture, focusing exactly on what you are going through and how you will get out. Maybe you are here today and you are marinating in, 
in the hurt people have caused you in your life. Full of bitterness, full of rage, full of anger, at a work colleague, at a gospel community member, at your own spouse, at some hurt your parents or your siblings caused in your life. I want to encourage you to take your eyes off yourself and look to Jesus, the perfecter and the author and perfecter of our faith. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against the, 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 the family of God in our own church. Your enemy is not your brother or sister in the house of God. When we look at people's actions in light of the main character, we have a whole new perspective on what we should do in reaction. We are more likely to have compassion and feel and a release to pray for such people. When we turn it to ourselves, we oftentimes end up filled with anger and anxiety and bitterness and rage. Remember, the story is not even about you. It's about God. Secondly, we are, we are able to freely seek out God's glory instead of our own. The apostles of old and the Matthias of yesteryears were able to just endure hardships and the difficulties in their lives because they could see God glorified in their suffering. They could endure flames. They could endure persecutions. They could endure being hung on the cross because they saw God glorified. Acts 5.41 tells us that the apostles went away rejoicing because God counted them worthy to suffer for the name. Hallelujah. Thought I'd get an amen there. The three Hebrew boys could endure the flames regardless of whether God was willing to save them or not because they could see God glorified in their stand against idol worship. It didn't matter so far as God was glorified and not dishonored by the worship of idols. When you realize that you are not the center of the universe, but God is, it frees you to take up impossibly intimidating tasks for the glory of God and for the fame of Jesus. For some of us, maybe this is the one truth waiting to explode in our life to set us on the course of great exploits for the Lord. Maybe the one factor that has hindered you from being able to give yourself fully to the things of God is that you have made yourself the center of all that is and must be. I want to encourage you that it has not been about you, it is not about you, it will not be about you, and the earlier you recognize that, the more peace you will have and the more courage you will be to you have to seek out the glory of God. Also, suffering is a way that God uses to accomplish his purposes in our lives. Let's look at, let's look at verse 20 again. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. As for you, you meant evil against me. There are many ways in which evil can come into our lives. First of all, it can come into our lives through wrong decisions by ourselves. First Peter 1.20 says that, 2.20 says that, what benefit do you have when you suffer for doing wrong? So that sometimes bad choices, we get, we get evil things coming into our lives. And that those persecutions and setbacks and evils that come our way because of the, the nature of the fallen world. And there are some persecutions and sufferings that come our way specifically because we have taken a stand for God. See, the people of the world will suffer a two-layer persecution in their lives or difficulties or setbacks in their lives. And that's because they will make wrong choices and that's because evil just happens in this broken world. But as a believer, it's a, it's a triple-layer thing. It's a triple-layer cake. 
The third layer is what others will never experience. Taking a stand for God is not always, does not always come with pleasant results. It will come with difficulties. It will come with suffering. It will come with, with retributions. In fact, Mark 10, 29, Jesus told the disciples that you have left father, mother, child, and everything. And because you've left this, I'll bless you. You have houses. You have brothers. But then again, he added, you suffer, you suffer persecution. When he called Paul, he said, I've called him so that I will show him how he must suffer for my name. In 1 Corinthians, Paul himself said that a great door of ministry has opened to me, but I must go through many tribulations. That is the lot of the believer. Suffering is inevitable. It will surely come. But I want to encourage you, no matter the source of your suffering, I want you to trust God, the one who can take ashes and turn them into beauty. The God who promises us that all things will work together for our good. The one of whom 1 Corinthians 1.9 says that God who has called you in his son Jesus is faithful. We can trust in God. We can trust him. If you are going through a difficult time and you are finding it difficult to trust God because you cannot see a step beyond you, I want to encourage you that God is faithful. In Minnie Haskins' poem, The Gate of the Year, he said, she says, I said to the man at the gate of the year, give me light that I may walk safely into the unknown. And he replied, walk thee into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God and that shall be for you better than light and safer than the known. Let's be encouraged. God is faithful. Second part of verse 20 says, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Two things I learned from this. No matter the cause of your suffering, there is purpose in suffering. It is not for nothing. Secondly, the glory belongs to God. Now, many of us look at this story and conclude that the good of Joseph's story is that a slave became the prime minister of Egypt. But that is not exactly how Joseph himself saw it. Let's look at verse 20 again. He said, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, the problem with our human frailties is that we come up with a definition of good that serves us rather than the kingdom we are part of. A definition of good that makes us the center of what God is doing. You know what? Let me disappoint you in, expect, in, 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 in expectation or in honor of the truth. Let me disappoint your expectations in honor of the truth. Oftentimes, the good in the stories of our suffering goes beyond ourselves. God will not bring that good and make you the centerpiece. God's good is not payback either. If you are here ever tempted by the desire for payback and revenge, and, and you think that God will come along with a solution that will pay back some person who has hurt you whilst elevating you, let me disappoint you again. I'll tell you that God will not be a willing accomplice in such vanities. His good brings him glory. And his good draws us closer to becoming more like him in the process. Hallelujah. Therefore, do not look for the good of your story to fulfill your own parochial desires. If you are thinking that way, you are bound for great disappointment. Because God's good is to bless many poor people than yourself. I remember many... A few years ago, actually, I was preparing for a mission trip to France, northern France, with a team. And as we were preparing, it occurred to me that, hey, my, my local church back in Ghana was not really into international missions. Now, I've been on a couple, so 
I wanted to invite the youth of my church to come along with the mission plan with the intent that I was going to invite, you know, some of the influential, influential people's kids there, the pastor's children, the, you know, the church council elders' children, so they will come back with stories of how amazing God is on the mission field, and somehow that would, you know, resonate with the elders, and they would, they would allow the church to go fully into, into, into international missions. And when I invited my church group, nobody came except one person. Everybody was had plans. You know, I'm going for a holiday here. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. So I'm doing an internship. Only one person came. And that person came and we, I was happy. So at least one person has come. And when we prepared for that mission trip, we went to the French embassy. We went to pick up our passports. I opened my passport and I had a wrong visa in my passport. It was the picture and name of the one person who came from my church in my, in my passport, as well as his own picture and, and name and everything in his passport. I know both of us were the darkest in the group, but we didn't look alike. And I don't know how the French consulate got it wrong. They gave me the wrong visa. And I was incensed. And I went back to them and they were like, you know what? Go ahead and reapply. We'll, we'll, we'll give you the visa. Go ahead and reapply. But I had a dream. And in the dream, I, was, I saw myself in the French embassy. And a woman walks to me and says, my name is Stephanie. God has sent me to tell you exactly what will happen. And this is not weird. If you look at Job 33, verse 14 to 15, it tells us that God is always speaking. It is man who does not perceive. Sometimes God speaks to us in dreams and in visions of the night. So that is where my scriptural basis is. I had this dream, and this lady told me that my name is Stephanie. God has sent you to tell you exactly what will happen. So this lady told me that, you know what, they will tell you to go back and forth, push you back and forth, bring this document by the end, They'll delay you till the time of your program in France has started and you cannot go and they'll deny you the visa. But do not worry, it will end in victory. And I was like, how is any victory going to come out of being denied a visa and not being able to go do missions, the one thing I love in this world? I couldn't see it. And sometimes the process of God's victories do seem and feel like defeats. And that's how I felt because I was denied a visa exactly the way the woman told me. So what could come out of this? I thought when she said it will end in victory, I was thinking that well, maybe the French embassy will feel sorry for what they've done to my passport and they'll give me a lifetime visa to France, you know. <laughs> it didn't happen that way. I was denied. The mission team went. I was supposed to be praying for them whilst I was at home. I was just like crying. And they came back, you know. But I looked at it back and I realized that, you know what? The one person who came from my church, when he went to northern France, he was so burdened that when he came back to Ghana, he couldn't take Strasbourg in France out of his mind. He sold everything, he gave up his job, he gave up everything and moved his whole family to northern France to be a missionary. And today I see his ministry flourishing and I see so many people being blessed by his ministry. The good that came out of my, of my story, what the angel told me in the dream that it will end in victory was not that I will benefit from it, but that the victory of God would be exerted in northern France. Hallelujah. It was not about me, and it will never be about me. So in the midst of suffering, Joseph's life might have felt and looked a total defeat. The reality of his current circumstances, a far cry from the victory that God had promised him. Maybe you are here and you are feeling the same thing. You know that God says in Romans 8.28 that everything works together for your good. You know that God is trustworthy, but you are going through difficulties in your life that seem like he is far away. That seems as though it's a total defeat in your life. I want to encourage you to keep on holding on to God 
and trusting him because the victory that will come will, be, will count much more worth heavenly than what will happen to you physically. There are times that suffering also is a tool that God uses to build us up and, and encourage us and to strengthen us for greater exploits. I have a poem that succinctly summarizes this. It says, When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man, that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects, how he hammers him and hurts him, and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay, which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying, and as he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks, when he is good he undertakes, how he uses him whom he chooses, and which every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. Hallelujah. In conclusion, I'll say that God, if he used the offense of the cross to bring salvation, the one perfect immorality, love, wisdom, innocence, and that when the evil of injustice, mistreatment, and a horrible, undeserved death, if God can use the greatest evil for our good, if God can use the greatest evil for our good, he can use the difficulties of our own lives for his ultimate glory. In suffering, let us shift our focus from ourselves unto God. Seek out his glory. Let us trust knowing it will accomplish a purpose greater than our own. Amen. Shall we share a word of prayer? Gracious Father, we are grateful today that we can come before you, open up the book of Genesis and learn a lesson or two from our brother Joseph who, came out, who went ahead of us. In his lessons, we have learned that, God, we are not the main characters of our own lives. We have learned that in the difficulties of our lives, you can accomplish your purposes in our lives. We pray and commit ourselves into your hands. I do not know what any of us is going through at this particular moment in our lives, but I do pray that each one of us will shift our focus onto you and see what you are doing. Seek out, look for how you are being glorified in our suffering so that we'll be live even at peace in our struggles. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. To find other messages or get more information about Redemption City Church, visit us online at rccbaltimore.org. Thank you for listening to the Redemption City Church podcast. Thank you.